hello and welcome to More to Come, the weekly podcast about comics and graphic novels recorded in various places today via Zoom. Uh, and I am Heidi McDonald. I am the editor-in-chief of The Beat at Comics Beat and also the regular co-host of our chats here on More to Come. And today we're kicking off our New Year interviews with Samira Ahmed, who is a New York Times bestselling author of a bunch of really great uh, middle grade and YA books. And now, for the first time, a comics writer. Welcome, Samira. Hi, Heidi. Thanks so much for having me and Happy New Year. I think it's yeah. still okay to say Happy yeah, New Year, is. right? Yeah, it is. Yeah, you get the, the period. Yes, Happy New Year, indeed. Um, well, well, thanks for joining us today. And, you know, we love talking to people, uh, you know, writers who have come to the world of comics and, uh, you know, seeing what they think of it. And also Ms. Marvel, who is such a great character. And you are the first South Asian Muslim woman to write the character, which, uh, of course, Ms. Marvel is Pakistani Muslim superheroine. So that's exciting. I, it's very exciting for me too. Honestly, it's a dream. So I, yeah. I love writing it and it's really an, an honor and privilege to write this awesome character. Fantastic. Well, uh, let's talk to, just about getting into comics. I mean, you, you've obviously had some very uh, well-reviewed and best-selling books as a prose author. So how did Marvel or how did you get into this world of comics? Well, I want to say it was sort of fate or that I put it into the universe and it just magically happened. Um, and there was a little bit of the magic, of course, because we're working in comics. I, you know, I've loved Miss Marvel since you know, Willow's run. And I remember saying to my agent, it would be so cool if I could ever write Miss Marvel. And I didn't quite know how comics work. And, um, but I also knew that, you know, sometimes there's novelizations of characters and I thought, you know, maybe there's some way it can enter this world to write Miss Marvel. And, you know, I think sort of around the same time, my editor, Lauren Bissom, was, had read um, uh, some of my books and, and Caitlin O'Connell, my assistant editor, and they were having conversations with my agent who, um, who has worked with them on other projects. And so there was a little bit of synchronicity that happened. And they were like, you know, Miss Marvel is, has sort of some similar threads to what Samira yeah. loves to write. And, you know, I always like to say that I, I love writing stories of revolutionary girls. And what girl is more revolutionary than Miss Marvel? This oh, amazing Pakistani Muslim superhero. And so I think it sort of all came together. The stars aligned. And now here I am. Yeah, that's uh, 100%. Absolutely. She's totally a revolutionary girl in so many ways. And, uh, you know what? That's great. That's what a, what a great story, actually. Um, to come, to come to this character. So Ms. Marvel Beyond the Limit, it's a five issue miniseries, correct? Yes. Um, so, uh, you know, how did you, I mean, how did you approach the character? Now you had been aware, obviously, of, of her before, as you mentioned. So, I mean, did you come in with your own ideas, like of directions you wanted to take her, or, you know, was it completely collaborative or how did that work? Well, I definitely was aware of her. I've been, you know, I read Willow's run, Saladin's run, and, um, I, I, I guess the way I generate ideas, you know, in my first conversation with Laura and I said, well, I had a couple ideas maybe that I think could be a cool, um, way for, you know, Miss Marvel to go into this next mini series. 
and I wanted, I, I had some sense of a story arc and, but one of the really cool things about comics is how collaborative it is. So it was really wonderful to be able to work with Lauren and Caitlin and sort of go back and forth as we sort of shaped um, the arc of this, you know, this five, um, this five series mini, this five issue mini series. So that collaborative part is something that I really enjoyed, but I, I did have a little sense of, I guess I had the seeds of where I wanted this arc to go. And then we kind of, you know, it grew from there. Yeah. Well, it, it, it does see Ms. Marvel kind of going into a multiversal version, which, you know, in comics, of course, is, you know, multiverses are a dime a dozen. <laughs> you know, they're all, <laughs> characters are always just jumping universes, like, you know, and she finds herself at the end of the first issue in the kind of this Bollywood world. Um, so, uh, which is great. And, um, but a lot of your other work have, has been about also kind of different layers of reality, you know, going through time also, correct? Um, Well, first of all, I do love the multiverse. I love um, (laughs) looking at possibilities. Um, And with my middle grade um, novel, it is about the kids in that world. They travel to like sort of a parallel universe of like fantastical creatures, Uh Um, you know, through sort of a, it's like sort of a portal fantasy, um, where they, they go, they enter into this other world. Um, and so I am somebody who has always been interested in, you know, the what ifs. I think writing for young people is, uh, you know, I, I call that space, the young adult space, the realm of possibility, Uh because I think it's such, it's this threshold between kind of childhood and adulthood, right? And that's where we see Miss Marvel. She is a teenager. She's a girl like all the other girls, but someone who happens to have an extraordinary job and, you know, has to carry um, a lot of burdens while she's also having crushes and, you know, loving her parents, but also sometimes butting heads with her parents. So in that realm of possibility, I always think how I, I literally like imagine it in my mind as this space where there's all these doors and, mm. you know, a young person is, um, has the opportunity to open one or some of those doors. And maybe those doors are going to lead to someplace they don't want to go. Maybe some of the doors are not going to be, they're not going to be able to open. Maybe sometime they're going to open the right door. And I sort of see that it's the multiverse too, right? It's, it's all of these doors that could possibly lead you into a different direction. And it's, you know, as humans, I think we're interested in those what ifs, you know, mm-hmm. what if I had, um, you know, gone down this path instead of this path, I wonder how things would have been different. So I've, I've also kind of been interested in, you know, sort of string theory. And, and I, I think the notion of, of parallel universes is, is always interesting. And what, what is the version of me in this other earth or this, you know, this other universe? Like, am I like, do I finally get like a flying car that I've always wanted? Am I, you know, uh, do I have, you know, am I a completely different person? Do I have, you know, different hair? Do I have, um, you know, parents who let me eat as much ice cream as I want to do. <laughs> I mean, you know, there could be sometimes the, you know, sometimes a, a, a parallel universe might not be um, so wildly different. Sometimes it could uh-huh. be just slightly different, but it's just a, about a little shift that happened somewhere that where that me made a different choice. So I just think it's so fascinating and interesting um, 
to imagine what they could be. And it's just a place where, you know, your imagination can just be as wild as you want it. Right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, comics also, um, obviously give you the ability to to see some of these ideas you know put on paper and of course you know illustrated by great artists and uh you know that's why movies love comics is because there's no budget there's there's nobody holds back in comics it's just like oh you know as long as the artist will put up with it <laughs> right um yeah how, how did it see how did it feel seeing you know seeing your work you know produced in this new medium with with the artwork um so you know as i said i think what is really cool about the comic process is how collaborative it is. And it is truly amazing to write a script, have an idea, kind of outline what you think it should sort of look like. And then, you know, I hand it over to Andres Genelay, the incredible artist. And he comes back and I was like, this is even cooler than I imagined. How did you do this? Like, I honestly feel like there's some kind of alchemy involved. Like that is there's something magical that happens um, when the artist sees those words and brings those words to life on the page. I mean, I honestly just, my hat's off to all the incredible um, comic artists that I, whose work I've seen because it seems really, really hard. And yet they are able to, you know, translate your words and bring something wonderfully beautiful to the page and I'm just always in awe even from like when I get the first layouts uh, I think wait how did you do that that it's you somehow like read my mind but made it even better because I'm a person who has for example like I am not great with imagining like spatial relations so I can imagine say I'll say like okay Mall's coming down to have breakfast and then she sees her parents watching TV. And in my mind, I might have these, these things completely juxtaposed in the wrong way. And like, okay, this, this geometry doesn't work right. And that's not how the shadows fall. And then Andra's just tells me like how it should be. And there it is. It's, right. Yeah. That's so true. You know, I've edited comics in the past and um I actually took a break from it and then I'm working on a little project right now. And I think as an editor, especially you take, you kind of take it for granted sometimes. Like, um, I mean, there's, there's such talented artists and, you know, like an artist might do an illustration that's one drawing and here we are making them do three or four or five drawings on one pan page, you know, with all these panels and they're, they all have to be good and they are good. And it's, it's, it's pretty, it's amazing. I know. And they're, you know, they're, they're toughest critics. So. I mean, whatever edit at small edit notes I can give, you know, some, especially with the first one, because, you, you know, it's like this Bollywood we see at the end, these Bollywood type scenes. So that was something where it was great because I got to add elements of my culture and say like, okay, well, can, uh, you know, setting pictures with, could the outfit sort of be like this or that? But then to have him, you know, there was some of these really big crowd scenes, which mm-hmm. you might have in a, a Bollywood musical and just I mean, the the incredible little details that Andres was able to put in, and it just, it's really just. And there's, there's actually, you're speaking of the other dimensions. There's a really great spread that shows Ms. Marvel's in other worlds. And it's great. It's just like the variety of them is, is fantastic. You know? That's one of my favorites. I mean, there's, there's two, there's two, there's two, um, I, probably more. I mean, everyone keeps asking me, what's my favorite page in the first issue? And I was like, well, I don't know, but that is definitely one of them where <laughs> she sees sort of like a right. glimpse into the multiverse, sees the different possibilities of Miss Marvel. And then there's also that cool image under the bean in Chicago where she sees like 
her life sort of reflected in front of, in front of her eyes. And I just, when I, when we got that art, it just, I mean, it just took my breath away. It was so cool. That's so great. Now, did you read comics as a kid? I read some comics as a kid. So when I was young, I read, I read Archie. Of course, of course. That's Um, that's the usual gateway drug. I I know I'm a, I'm a Gen Xer. So that's what it was. But, and then also when I was in high school, I mean, this isn't Marvel, but when I was in high school, um, that was, I think it was like 88 or 89 where Robin died, the second Robin in the (laughs) Batman. And that was like a really big deal because that was, there was that weird thing where I think Oh gosh, I'm forgetting the name of that. Oh, well, Robin. They, the, where they had the contest to kill Robin. The hotline. Oh yeah. Like the thing where yes. you called and it was like, was it? I can't remember which Robin's name is, but it was like should he live or should Tim Drake? Yeah, Tim Drake. They yes, him, yes, yes. Oh should yeah, he live we or did. Should he die? Yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> I know. was like, wow, I can't imagine really writing um something that way or producing it that way. But that was that was sort of a big deal because. Um, that was just shortly before the first Tim Burton Batman movie came out. And so it was, you know, I feel like there was like this kind of jump in like the comics popularity. And I I remember the art of that page where, you know, Batman, I mean, I can still imagine it in my mind. And it's so like decades old where Batman is holding like, you know, a lifeless Robin. Robin. Yes. (laughs) It It was very, you know, it was very, I guess, evocative. And I think it, was extremely popular because I, I saw, I mean, I saw, I, I mean, I remember, I just have this image in my mind of like the high school cafeteria and so many kids had the day that came out, or I guess it was the next day. Cause we went to the comic yeah. book shop, like then after school had that, that comic book. Um, I think it was called a death in the family. That is. Yeah. It was. Yeah. Oh, you, you got it. You're on it. Yeah. And <laughs> I remember, see, see how much it was. Right. See how much That's part amazing. Of the culture it was. And I just remember so many kids had it in the lunchroom. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's, uh, actually one of, uh, I run, you know, my website, Comic Speed, we actually ran an oral history of that whole story because, you know, now, I mean, anything's, you know, nothing seems to be on the realm of possibility these days, but, you know, the idea of uh, people voting on whether to kill off a teenage sidekick is still, it's pretty, pretty rough. <laughs> I agree. It was, it was really like, wait, what? What yeah. happened? Because I, I mean, I would pretty much never vote for a hero to be killed, but I guess. Me? Well, they didn't like Tim Drake. You see, that's the thing. He I, wasn't I the real Robin. He wasn't the real Dick Grayson. And, I, know, you know, I know. So yeah, so there's, and you know, in comics, the continuity never goes away. I mean, even Ms. Marvel, she's only been around for eight years, but she already has, you know, this whole history and, you know, she was an Avenger and she went here and she went there. And, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, dealing with all that backstory can be daunting also. Did you, did you have to navigate the shoals of continuity at all? Well, I mean, obviously we, we had to adhere to continuity yes. and we're not doing anything, you know, we're not retconning anything with Miss Marvel. I, I, you know, I didn't want fans to be worried about that, but, um, you know, I actually think, I mean, number one, that's why it's great to have your editors who can say, wait, right. that, no, this can't happen because honestly, I, um, even though I read the entire series and then had been rereading it, sometimes I'm like, wait, did that, <laughs> am I forgetting this little piece that happened? You know, mistakes happen. Uh, that's... Right. But it's, it's, it was great to be able to actually, you know, have sort of callbacks to some things right. in there, the, right. the other issues, like there's, um, uh, you know, just the, 
just the whole idea of like the exploration of her powers. Like we, that's going back to Willow's run where, you know, where Bruno and Kamala are trying to figure out like, what is exactly the source of my powers? And that actually was a little bit of an inspiration for, um, you know, for this arc. And then, um, you know, there's, there's, um, the the whole just her parents watching Bollywood movies. We know that Kamala also loves Bollywood movies because that was also something right. that had had been it had been brought up earlier. So that just just having these little pieces, it's I I think it was nice to you know have those callbacks for um, fans who've been fans for a long time. But then also I get to I hope you know we're hopefully bringing in um, new fans and new young readers. But continuity, um, you know, for for Kamala, I don't have to deal with like 30 years yeah. of only eight years. Yeah. But in comics time, years. That could be, could still be very convoluted. So. But well, that's why it was cool to be able to do that scene. And that's why I wanted that scene at the bean because the bean yeah. um, in Chicago, it's such a cool piece of, of public art because when you gaze up under that sort of under that shape, you can see kind of an, an infinity of yourself. And that's why I wanted that piece in there because the the first comic look there's a lot of stuff that's happened to her it, yeah in this short period of time and i just wanted her to be able to have like a tiny little respite you know in a moment of reflection like she's literally seeing her reflection and seeing like sort of her that piece of her life but also you know just thinking about like what what it means you know to be a hero you know to really understand the weight of everything that's happened to her um you know she's been in some pretty tough spots i mean a lot of cool things have happened to her but i mean she's faced a lot of difficulties and hardship too like our you know like young people face in real life like her her father being um ill and you know struggling with like initially like lying to her parents and sneaking out and all these things but then there's also all the huge things like okay well Oh, I'm an Avenger now, and I'm a, like all cool. these things that happen to me. Yeah, all right, awesome. Like, oh, I get to meet Wolverine. I mean, yeah, some, you know, yeah. That's Tony Stark's giving me advice. This is yeah. kind of cool. <laughs> well, that's one of the also the coolest things about Ms. Marvel that you know she writes fanfic, and I mean she's also you know part of the Marvel. The world of Marvel. Um, and you know, that's what the reasons why she was such a great character when she came out. And you know, not only for what she represents, but, um, you know, just where she fits in as kind of a, you know, modern Marvel character in Jersey City. But, but, um, let me, but let me ask you about, um, you know, what, what, what you feel about Ms. Marvel's impact, you know, as mm-hmm. a Muslim American superheroine, as a superhero. Um, and, you know, your books, you do write, as you say, about revolutionary girls. Um, and, you, you know, you have Muslim American protagonists. And, yeah, what what was your, you know, what what is your feeling about just what Ms. Marvel existing means? I mean, it's really hard to overstate how important I think she is. Um, you know, I'm one of those people who believe so strongly that every child should be able to see themselves as a hero on the page. And it's taken so, so long for Muslim kids and Pakistani kids, uh, South Asian kids to be able to see that hero on the page. And I think it just, you know, she's a very powerful and, and, and important character. And I also love that she tries so hard to be good. 
You know, I think, I think so often, especially now there's people, I, I feel like there's a lot, you know, a lot of people really want the, the, the vil, you know, they, they believe that the villain is like the more complex and interesting character, like that dark side. But for me, I mean, I think it's, it's so complex and interesting to strive to be good, to make that choice every day, to try to make the right choice, the moral choice, the difficult choice in, in, you know, in, in tough times and when you're in tough spots. And that's what Miss Marvel is doing. And I, that's why I think she's important, um, just in sort of the pantheon of heroes, but also for young people today, because she is a young person living in this world of today. And, you know, she's living in a world where, let's face it, there's a lot of BS throwing, <laughs> being thrown at kids and, a, and kids are having, I, I think so often how we put children in positions where they're forced to find their courage, you know, because of choices that adults make. And I think Miss Marvel is a place where young people can go to sort of, you know, grapple with that a little bit. Here is a hero who is like me in so many ways. And, you know, she's not always getting to be the person who makes a choice, uh, you know, to be in a certain situation, but she still has to fight her way out of it, like so many of our young people do. And I think that's why she can be so inspiring and is so important to to Muslim kids, to Pakistani kids, to South Asian kids, but really to all kids. I think that that's really important. And I think it's really great that Marvel has really kept her in the forefront of their contemporary characters. Um, You know, like she was the star of the video game that came out. And uh, she's getting her own TV series, which is absolutely amazing. Oh my God, that's so exciting. And obviously this whole Marvel TV universe, this Disney Plus universe is going to tie in so much. So, you know, we're, we're probably going to see Ms. Marvel quite a few places, um, in the future. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's just really great that she's become such a part of the, of the Marvel universe at large and not just, you know, not a token, not a token character. Yeah. I mean, I love that. Um, you know, that Marvel sees her as so, such an important character because she is. And, you know, it's funny because when you were talking to me about like hair, you know, comic books that I read earlier, like, you know, the early, some of the Spideys were ones, um, that I read too. And sometimes Miss Marvel reminds me a little bit of sort of like the older oh, Spider-Man yeah. issues where, you know, she is like this teen and is struggling with all of these things and is very much like of her time. And that's why I think people love her. I mean, that's one of the reasons I love her. She's just, she just feels real, you know? She does. She does. It's absolutely, you're absolutely right. And I think, again, you know, props to Marvel because, uh, you know, obviously Spider-Man is insanely a popular character, as we know from, you know, Spider, Spider-Man, uh, No Way Home is, is like, I think it's made a billion dollars, which is insane (laughs) in this pandemic world. And, um, you know, seeing the different Peter Parker struggle with this, the same theme from Into the Spider-Verse also, but, but, you know, Ms. Marvel and also Miles Morales too. I mean, they both yeah. are like these very contemporary characters that, that reflect the world around us and, and just, you know, have that, that, you know, struggle with, you know, how do I get home and do my homework and save the universe? In the that, same I day? mean, I love that Marvel does that too, because I mean, it's just, it really is what makes all, you know, all those characters like, you know, Spidey, Miles, um, Kamala, that they're just, they feel like they could be 
you know, a person that you know, they're relatable, but they're also heroic. And that is, I, I think that's what also makes the reader feel like, you know, maybe there's a part of me that could be a hero too. I mean, maybe, yeah. yes, yeah. maybe I can't thwip. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe I can't embiggen, but, <laughs> but you know, you know, with all of those characters, they all have moments, um, you know, in the comics where they are realized, you know, where being a hero doesn't exist only for superheroes. Right. You know, um, and that's why, you know, Uncle Ben, that's basically Uncle Ben. (laughs) That's what Uncle Ben's telling, telling Peter, you know, right. And that's the same thing that we, that we see with, with Miles and, and with Kamal too. And I, I mean, I love all those characters. I think, I, I think they're just, you know, they're just awesome. Yeah, there's a reason why Marvel is so popular right now. Let's uh, put it that way. Now, one of your prose books, Internment, actually, is a lot about that as well. That's about, you know, a young person really struggling to to fight for human decency, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, in Internment, we have the same thing. We have, uh, you know, this young character, Layla, who's like a girl like all of the other girls, and then is put in this horrible and... It's a horrible circumstance where she and her family are sort of rounded up and um, incarcerated just because of their identity, because they're Muslims. This is kind of a, it's sort of like a near future dystopian, I guess. And she has to find her courage. You know, she has to find a way to stand up just for her right to exist. And it's not always a straight path. It's not, it's definitely not easy. Um, but she finds, you know, friends and allies along the way and she realizes she has to do the right thing. And she, you know, in that character, like some of my other characters are inspired by real world, world heroes. Like mm-hmm. in, in internment, um, Layla and her friends talk about, about the kids in the white rose, you know, from, mm-hmm. from, uh, the time of the Nazis, like young people, they were just in college who, uh, were German and were, you know, who believed that what Hitler was doing was wrong and that what was happening was wrong. And they literally risked their lives to put out pamphlets, um, to try to appeal to their fellow Germans to stand up for what was right. And I mean, they lost their lives for doing that, but those, you know, that's an example of like people who are just regular, ordinary people who found this incredible courage to try and do the right thing. And, um, you know, I think we have so many, even, you know, so many recent examples of that too. Like young people to me do so many extraordinary things. I mean, look at Malala. Look at, I mean, Greta, we have like little Miss Flint who, because really because of her, we, the Flint water crisis is still, you know, something that we are aware of. And, um, you know, the kids at Parkland who organized this in, in, incredible march, um, the kids in North Carolina who are fighting yeah. against books being banned. I mean, young people can do extraordinary things. And I love being able to write, you know, a character um, like Miss Marvel or some of the characters in my books who um, who are inspired by the real life heroism you see in young people. Absolutely. Of course. Um, you know, they are mocked and derided on all sides for trying to, you know, do the right thing. Um, you know, Samir, you mentioned book bannings and before you got serious about writing, you were a teacher, correct? Yes, that's right. I taught high school English. 
Right. Well, uh, you know, we are seeing now a lot of very organized attempts at book banning and, you know, laws, uh, have been introduced in several states saying, you know, books can be removed and it's illegal. It's illegal for teachers to teach them, uh, for librarians to shelve them. And a lot of the books that are in the forefront of this are graphic novels. Um, have you been following this horrifying story at all? De- definitely because I mean, I, um, you know, internment actually starts the very first image in internment is of um a book burning uh-huh. uh of and she talks about in there about how books were banned and then they were burned and that is a place i, I, I mean that's not even fiction that's how right. history we've seen that time and again and i find um you know these book bans to be horrifying they're completely antithetical to democracy to freedom of, of speech. And um, I think they're in, incredibly anti-American, even though the people who believe that they're banning them for somehow, quote unquote, the good of like kids, it's absolutely, absolutely the opposite. Because I think when you when you look at these books that are being banned, um, you know, graphic novels, um, chapter books, you know, it, it runs the gamut, but almost all of them are Centering around, you know, characters who are, um, who are characters of color, who are indigenous, who are queer characters, or who their creators are, you know, BIPOC or, or, or queer, mm-hmm. um, uh, disabled in, in some cases. I mean, there's, there's a, one of those districts in Texas has a list that's of books that's 17 pages long yeah, that I a, know. A senator wants, that's 850 books. Yeah. Um, all of the and the books on there. I mean, one of the books on there, because I, I, I referenced her earlier. One of the books I saw on one of these banned lists was um, uh, a biography of Malala, and it's one of those sort of junior biographies uh, of her. And I, mean, I mean, yeah. How, how are you banning a, a biography of this young girl who was literally shot in the face, survived an assassination attempt, and her her entire goal of her life is to ensure that girls get access to education? That is just she's that's not why that book is being banned it's being banned because of islamophobia i mean and we see that with you know with all these other books transphobia you know um homophobia um racism bigotry and so many of these things that's the reason they're being banned i it's just, yeah, it's, it's mind-boggling. One of the books that is mentioned several times is uh, New Kid by Derry Craft, which is the first graphic novel to win the Newbery Award. And it's just about a black kid who gets into a new neighborhood. <laughs> and, I, I mean, I, I you know, know it, it's amazing, just having struggles. Yeah. And, um, it's actually amazing because it's a book that received the, basically the highest honor yeah. in, in children's literature. And here they are. Um, banning it. And, you know, they're not really, they're not banning, when they're banning books, what they're really doing is they're trying to ban ideas and they're banning identities. They're trying to erase, um, they're trying to erase us. And, you know, we are not going to be erased. So, um, do you, do you think though, I mean, boy, I don't even know how do we fight this or, you know, what can we do to, you know, how do we mobilize against this? I think this, I think uh, some of my friends might be underestimating just how organized this movement is. It's extremely organized. Um, and I, I think, I think it's very important where we're seeing, where we're seeing the resistance against it. We are seeing like it, people have to resist on a local level 
And I mean, we saw these young kids in Carol in North Carolina and they used what they had social media. They used mainstream media to get the message out and to put pressure on their school board. And we, it needs to be organized at both sort of like local and national levels, I think. And it's very, very, very important for people to speak up because the loudest voices are going to be the ones that want to ban the books. And for all those people, parents and, and young people who think it's wrong to ban books, they're the ones who have to be going to those school board meetings and speaking out. Our voices have to be louder than um, the voices of censorship. I yes. think that's really, really important. Um, and uh, you can tell I'm very passionate about this because well, I just... I a society that bans books will be a society that burns books. We're already, you know, we've already seen examples where we're literally, you know, where we've banned people in this country. <laughs> um, and so, you know, I think, I mean, just to take it back to, and this is not to be, you know, just to take it back to the comics for a second. When, when I was talking about how these characters like, you know, Peter and Miles and Kamala represent, you know, young people who are making tough choices and saying, look, we need to sometimes find our courage. And you don't necessarily need to have like these superpowers of embiggening or, right. you know, um, you know, your spidey sense or whatever. But our, you know, our superpower is our voice and our, our voices, collective voices saying, we will not let you ban mm. and outlaw identities. Right. We, yeah, I, I, I'm happy to see your passion about it though, because I'm very, very disturbed about this. And you know, I just, yeah, a couple of, uh, you know, alarm tweets aren't going to do the job. <laughs> uh, no, they're not. I mean, look, I think obviously, you know, I think that social media is important, um, and it is a way to gather sort of, um, to sort yes. of gather oh, yes. force and, 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 and sort of build up public will. Um, but I, I, I think it is very important for people to show up at your local school board meetings. And I think it's important to, you know, this is how, uh, um, this is how our school districts work, but it's also important for people to run for their school boards. Yeah. Um, and, you know, to, to get involved, um, however you can. I mean, I, I, I think I, some people are always, I, I don't think it's always easy. Um, so try to take small steps. Maybe it's like you make that, maybe it's first you're making a phone call. Maybe you're talking to the neighbor. Uh, maybe you're making sure that you all vote in your local elections for candidates who, you know, who, who don't think that, um, books and people should be banned. Um, and then, you know, <laughs> showing up at your school board meetings. I, I, I think it's really important to do all of those things. And, um, you know, sometimes you just need a little nudge to take that first step. Yeah. Well, I do think this is going to be a big story in 2022, especially with the midterm elections coming up. And, um, I hope that, uh, people don't uh, sleep on it because it's, like I said, it's very, very organized and it won't be, it won't be fought back without organization also. So, right. and it's, and it's, it's dangerous. It's not a path that I want to no, see. It's very dangerous. Head down. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 you know, it's sort of that thing where it's like you think, well, OK, well, they're banning those books, but they're not going to ban these. If you're complacent about it, pretty soon they're going to be. Well, that list of 17 pages has got like it's, you know, we actually talked about that list at the podcast. We were looking at it and uh, Calvin and Kate and I. And, uh, you know, like you said, there's some books. On, it's like like, you know, they banned uh, just did some of the books on there are just 
ridiculous. It's absolutely that they, they just went through. I mean, there's a Rosa catalog. Parks. There's a, a yeah. kid's biography of Rosa Parks that was banned. Yeah. Well, there's. This, <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a book that I that I worked on called Why the Last Man. That is just it's just an adventure yarn. In fact, you know, it doesn't even work today because its notion of gender is so outmoded. And um, but I guess they saw the title The Last Man and thought that it was you know anti man. Yeah. So anyway, it's just yeah, it's it's so ludicrous. But oh well. Anyway, well, I, I'm glad to talk about that. And uh, but but you know, it sounds like you've really enjoyed working on uh Kamala and and um Kamala and uh you know uh, uh Salad Saladin uh he was a science fiction author and he got you know sucked into the world of comics and uh you know he's having quite a bit of success there and you know some really great comics i don't know are, are you been bitten by the comics bug maybe i mean i definitely have been loving it and i have also really just loved the reaction that i'm getting from kids like my friends and cousins are sending me you know, they're texting me pictures of their kids reading Miss Marvel. Um, even kids in my neighborhood who I know, you know, are, are stopping me, uh, you know, just literally on the sidewalk. I was passing the school and this girl stopped me and she says, some of the kids know me because they've gone to my book readings, like in the mm-hmm. neighborhood, like at my local bookstore. And so she says, Hey, Hey, you're Samira, right? <laughs> and I said, yeah. And she's like, my brother said, you're going to write Miss Marvel. And I was like, and she was like, very like, aggressive about it but in this like really cute way like and I said yeah I am she's like okay that's cool and then you know <laughs> another kid I know said so you're going to be writing for Marvel and I said yeah I'm going to be writing Miss Marvel and he says to me I hope it's good <laughs> that's great, that's great. I, I honestly lo- I was like you know what these are just the kind of readers I love um, because they're they're passionate about it and you know that kid who's saying to me it better be good I, I wanted to be good for that kid. You know? you know, I've talked to other authors who have, you know, transitioned into comics, you know, whether temporarily or more long term. And, um, it is, you know, one of the things they do find is kind of this, this community in comics. I mean, of course, readers, you know, are passionate, incredibly passionate, but in comics, there really is kind of this culture. You know, you go to the comic shop on Wednesdays and, um, I mean, posting pictures of you reading a comic is, you know, part of the, the whole thing. And, um, and also just, you know, there's this whole comics press and, and conventions and all this stuff. I mean, have you, you know, have you noticed that there's, you know, it's a little bit different than in the traditional prose world? Well, yes. I mean, it's definitely different. I mean, I think the one thing that I see that is similar is young people being really passionate um, about yeah. it. And, but like, what's cool about writing comics is that their passion is like just around this character. Like they love this character and they're so excited for the next adventure. And, you know, especially for young people, it's so hard to wait for the next right. thing. You know, when I've tried to explain to, to young kids in my life that, well, in the olden days, we didn't have DVRs <laughs> and you couldn't stream and you have to wait a week to see it. And you really hope that you didn't have something else to do. Cause, and if you had some place to go and you were like running back home to try to get to this and comics were only on Saturday morning and the kids are always so shocked. But then you see like with kids who really love comics and they're the one, they're just like waiting for that Wednesday for that moment. And um, what was fun with Miss Marvel one is like, I went to, um I went to two different comic shops in Chicago on that day. And it was really fun just to see the sort of the, 
the press of people in there and like just people getting excited to take the comics that they had off the shelves or get oh, yeah. their pull list. And it's just, it's really fun. And it's also a couple of my friends have also sent me, um, pictures of their, of their kids dressed up as Miss Marvel or like oh, in yeah. homemade Miss Marvel shirts. It's really cute. And, uh, one of my friends actually sent me, um, a picture of his, daughter but then also his her grandmother who had a miss marvel t-shirt that the the daughter had done like the lightning bolt and the the grandma was wearing it i mean that is just the most it's just wonderful and so sweet and i just i love that miss marvel you know has that kind of generational appeal like we can all read her together and love her together Right, right. Well, that is wonderful and amazing. And, um, you know, welcome to comics, Samira. <laughs> Thank you so much. I'm, yeah. I'm loving it. I feel it's just so exciting to be here. Yeah. But you, you also, so Ms. Marvel Beyond the Limit is, uh, the next issue is coming out this month and it's a five issue, uh, limited series, mini series. Uh, you, you also have a prose book coming out this year, correct? Yes, I actually have two. It's a busy year for me. I have, um, in May, I have my next young adult novel called Hollow Fires, which is actually a thriller. Um, and it, it is a, a thriller that, that speaks to sort of, um, the insidious nature of racism and how white supremacists recruit people online and, um, about the danger of alternative facts and how far some people will go to hide the truth, especially from young people. So that's out in May. And then it, this fall, um, September, I have the next in that middle grade series, Amira and Hamza, the ones where the kids go to this oh, other right. world. Um, uh, Amira and Hamza on the quest for the ring of power. Nice. Wonderful. Well, uh, Congratulations, um, listeners. Check out your local comic shop for Ms. Marvel Beyond the Limit. And uh, Samira, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been great. Thank you so much for having me. It's been really fun to be able to talk about comics. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and um, as we say, as always, there will be more to come.